Hi, I'm Teresa Duncan. And I'm Kevin Henry. Welcome to Chew On This. We are excited to bring you our views of current topics in the dental industry and put a little different spin on them, giving you something to chew on. If you need to jump off, be sure to check the show notes for links as well as how to get in touch with us. And now, let's give you something to chew on. We're here for another episode of Chew On This. K-Dog, my co-host, how are you? Teresa Duncan, or Teresa at OdysseyMGMT.com. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm good. Is that how you introduce me to people? This is Teresa at Odyssey MG. <laughs> I, that flowed so well. I kind of think that's how you introduce it's me. It's very smooth. I've been working on it for years now. So yes. <laughs> so we've actually had some good feedback from people about the podcast. So I just wanted to share that. And, and we'd love to hear more, more, you know, how annoying my voice is, how annoying Kevin's voice is, whatever. Yeah. We'll take any and all feedback. But thank you for those who have sent in kind words about it. So we're going to try to jam our listenership up. You're going to see us promoting this on Dental Assistant Nation, which is Kevin's podcast. Yep. Kevin has his own. And then I have nobody told me that. And you're going to start hearing about that. And again, thanks to the Dental Podcast Network for hosting us. So we are on a mission to bring you news and analysis like none you've ever heard. Isn't that correct, Kevin? That is correct. I have on, if you could see me, I have on a Sherlock Holmes hat and a big magnifying glass just walking around my house. So I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> That's the noise. It's that pipe of yours. <laughs> exactly. You're, you're smoking. I've always said you had something in a pipe and you were smoking it. Well, I do live in Colorado, let's not forget. So. <laughs> so you wanted to talk about something that's coming out of the the New England area. Absolutely. I can elaborate because I found it come across a very interesting, uh, very short news story, but I think there's a lot to, shall we say, chew on within the news story. (laughs) And this was reported by CBS4 out of Boston, our old good friends at WBZ TV. So a dentist (laughs) in Georgetown, Massachusetts has reportedly been fined close to $10,000 for violating coronavirus safety guidelines. Uh, What that means is, according to uh, what was published on the CBS uh, station there, that they were paid a $9,500 fine for failing to provide medical evaluations and testing for employees to wear N95 respirators. Mm -hmm. And Teresa, what I thought was most interesting about this was the statement from Uh, OSHA about this. And I'm just going to read it to you. And then I'm going to give you what I took out of this. OSHA's goal is to ensure abatement of hazards. And if I could read English, it would really help. (laughs) Let me try it again. OSHA's goal is to ensure abatement of hazards. With the settlement and hazard abatement, this goal has been met. OSHA will continue to field and respond to complaints and take steps needed to address unsafe workplaces. So I thought it was very interesting, that last line, because in my opinion, obviously somebody tipped OSHA off that something was going afoul within this practice. And that's from OSHA and over area office director, Anthony Cavello. And it also mentions in there that the dental practice had a lack of written programs related to respiratory protection, insufficient bloodborne pathogen training and controls, and inadequate eye wash stations. So when I hear all that, the first thing that pops into my head is that, yes, somebody from within probably sent a little note to OSHA saying, hey, something's going on here. You might want to check out. Now, that's my opinion. I don't know if that's true. 
But just from the the statement, it makes me think that this wasn't just a random OSHA person came into the practice to check out what was going on. I think they came in with a, a purpose. So with my manager background, I have a lot of thoughts on this because yeah. one of the reasons we worry about terminating, shall we say, a, a pain in the butt employee is that we are aware that they're most likely going to either file for unemployment or they're going to report us for something and it's baseless. So if it's baseless, okay, then you just have a real pain in the butt employee. However, OSHA was set up to allow for occupational safety is to protect the employee. So it is actually set up. And if somebody reported it, then it functioned exactly as it was set up to do. So if that person, if there was a report, which I'm just going to assume that that's what happened. If there was a report, I would hope that the attention, that the attention of the management was caught before this was reported. I would hope that that employee went to the doctor or the manager and said, this is not acceptable. And, you know, documented it from there and, and escalated it appropriately. What I, I hope didn't happen is that they just went straight to OSHA. I agree. Because that's, you know, give us a chance. I mean, as, as a manager, you know, if I'm not doing something because I've missed something completely, please ask me and I'll try to correct it. If I don't correct it, then yeah, you should report me. I mean, that's because I'm supposed to protect you. That's my job as a manager. With that being said, yes, OSHA is going to say, please report more because... That's what they do. And Absolutely. the money that they find is, is good money for you know them and the state. So interesting. I, I thought so. I thought one of the things that, just tacking on to what you were saying, is that in, in my years of dentistry, there's always been two different ways. There are the people who don't mean to do the wrong thing. And there are the people who just look the wrong way and do it anyway because they don't want to spend or it's too much hassle or whatever it might be. Now, for those people who are given the chance to correct it, I think more often than not, they do. But I almost am thinking those people who didn't do it in the first place and don't care to do it will still continue to look the other way. And this is a prime example of why maybe you should just listen and maybe do things correctly the first time. You would think, but you know, it, it's interesting. I was talking to uh, a really good friend of mine about this and, and he pointed out correctly that the risk reward on coronavirus regulations was much higher than in the past. So I'll, I'll give you an example. If you don't turn in somebody for not collecting a copay, for example, which is insurance fraud, it's not like it's a life and death situation. But when you have somebody, your employer, that's not protecting you, it's like going to a construction site and seeing that an employer isn't giving out hard hats and steel-toed boots. You know, like here's just kind of you're on your own. So the stakes are much higher. And I think that's why employees who normally would just be like, oh, he's he or she is being cheap and they're never going to pay for that. You know, like there's there's scrubs and then there's really nice scrubs. So that that's when you would complain, oh, well, they're not going to pay the money for that. But if they're not paying because... It's expensive, but yet it's required. Yeah, that's a whole different animal. The stakes are higher. I mean, it, you have employees that are legitimately scared. And I, I get it because both of our parents are elderly, not in the best of health. And, True. you know, it's something to think about. So I get the fear, but I would hope that the relationship would be there, that they would go and approach it ahead of time. And, you know, the relationship has to be there, but the atmosphere has to be there as well. That somebody feels like they aren't going to get mocked or have their day ruined, shall we say, yeah. if they point something out going on. And, you know, talking to assistants through the years, I can tell you there's a lot of that atmosphere in practices 
that they don't feel comfortable bringing up something that could be improved because either they'll be saying, you know, you need to remember your role, Missy, you know, and, and, and that's what one told me one time. I'm just like, and her name wasn't even Missy. I'm just like, that's, that's impressive on so many levels, <laughs> but there, there's a lot of different business models and attitudes within those business models throughout dentistry. And I think one thing that I hoped had changed after we came back from the COVID-19 disruption was that we would take care of each other more in the practice. And yet I know, and I'm sure you've heard this as well, in a lot of practices, that's simply not been the case. I think there's more practices that are taking care of their employees than are not. I mean, you and I talk about great practices all the time and and how they're doing well. I think there's always going to be that contingent that it's pretty obvious they're not doing well. And so it's really easy to talk about them. And I think what I would love to be able to do, if I had um, a wish, I would like a wish a day because this, if this, this could not be my only wish or else I would totally waste it. Cause I need like, <laughs> I need like the lottery. I need like, you know, lose weight, all that kind of stuff. But if I could have a wish a day, one of the wishes would be, I want an employee to feel their worth. And if they're not happy at their office, they would just take away all the reasons why they wouldn't leave that office. Like, I need this job. I need to have childcare. I wish I could just take that all away because I want people to go work where they are appreciated. And if enough people leave those crappy jobs, your doctor or your manager is going to look around and be like, what happened? And the room is empty. And honestly, if they're a crappy manager, they should. That should happen to them. Unfortunately, life is real and they don't. That's such an altruistic wish. I love that. That is very I, I cool. I try Seriously. to be a nice person. Yeah, I, I try to be a nice person sometimes. Don't spread that around. No. I'm saying this now because this is the early days of our podcast and we're not as high in viewership as we will, ha- as we will have later. <laughs> in later episodes, I will not be this nice. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but honestly, I, I think of so many people, you, you too, after our classes, they come up and, and they'll tell me, I'm being asked to do this, this, and this. I can't lose this job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it just breaks my heart because I'm not going to sit there and say, you should take better care of yourself and you need to be better than this. And listen, you've got a small kid. If you've got people to, that you need to support, you've got medications you need to afford, who am I to tell you what to do? I just wish I could give you a little more strength. And I'll be curious to see, you know, is, will this be an isolated incident in the Boston area or will OSHA now really have their, their ears up and will other people in other practices go, oh, well, it worked over in this practice. Maybe I should do that now. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll be very curious to see if we, we hear about a couple of others coming down the pike. What I think happened is that when Tom Brady left, he left a curse. Well, that's very possible. You know, it, <laughs> and, it, and it could be Gronk as well. There's no question. Oh, I think it was definitely Gronk. I forgot about Gronk. <laughs> All right. little football talk for those of you that are missing football. As far as will there be more cases? Yes. Oh, my gosh, yes. Because what ends up happening when they publicize something like this is employees go, oh, I can do that. Because if you've never had OSHA training, then you don't know that you can report these things. What is this witchcraft? Hey, Yeah, like, oh, this really sucks. I thought this was only the way. Oh, crap. I can report it now. That's what I mean. So, so that's the bad side, right? If you're a really bad employer and you offer training, you can't just say to the trainer, hey, don't say anything about that reporting mechanism thing. Can we just take that out of the manual? <laughs> so, so I do. I think there's going to be more, more reports just because it's, it's an awareness issue. Yeah. And I'm still, and our friend Tia, who does, who does training, and we have other friends, Linda Harvey and all that, I still am amazed how many people don't get training on oh OSHA Lord. and HIPAA. They just kind of say, eh, I read an article about it or we'll I'm worry good. about it. 
Yeah. And it's like, can you imagine Verizon saying, I, I don't need to worry about that right now. Let's yeah. worry about it when we get in trouble. Just, just climb up that tower. You'll figure it out. It'll be fine. <laughs> don't worry about that. It's okay. I'm telling you the state of regulations and reporting on one side of it. I feel like we have a lot of people who report our friends and employers a lot more than they should. And definitely when I was going through HR training years and years ago, we heard stories of people who knew the rules and would report their employers to the labor board just because they knew the rules better than the employer. And there are definitely people out there that it's a, it's a scam that they run. You know, they cry sexual harassment, sure, all sorts of stuff. I mean, Tim Twig tells, uh, Bent Erickson tells a ton oh, of Lord. stories about this. I remember he was, I'll just kind of give you a background on one that just, I was like, oh my God, this could happen to us. He told the story of a, a lady who came in after hours to interview. And when she came into the office, everybody was gone. The doctor actually locked the door behind her because it's after hours and he didn't want anyone coming in. So she then alleged that he was holding her against her will. And this was not the first case. So when they did a little bit more digging, like she knew what she was doing. Wow. And I am sitting here going, every time I've interviewed somebody after hours, I've locked the door. Like, am, I could have, that could have been me. And it's not just male, female thing too. Somebody of my gender could have said, oh, I felt like she was keeping me against my will. Sure. And I would have been like, what? Leave, just go. Don't let the door hit you. But the perception is I held her against her will. Now I have to defend myself against it. And that gets out. And yeah. Wow. What? Yeah. Wow. I know. Tim has a million stories. Uh, you should get him on, on, we should get him on podcast. We, we absolutely should. I love to hear him because the way he tells them is like, well, you should have known better, but you didn't because this person's a slime ball. Like that. It's so funny how he says it. <laughs> we'll give him a couple of beverages, shall we say, and uh, we'll sit down and uh, that would be quite the interesting podcast. I have. He might come with his own beverages though. The man <laughs> knows wine. So. Yes, he does. My goodness. So, uh, yeah, so I am concerned with, let me just back up. When I talk about management, I have three things that a manager protects against. One is employees, you know, things like this. One is regulations like the law. And the other one is patients. We're, we're protecting the practice against patients. And when I say protecting the practice against employees, everybody looks at me like I'm crazy. But really providing a good work atmosphere, making sure that you're keeping in touch with the regulations, that keeps your employees from, from reporting on you. What I don't understand is the ones who try to fight these fines because OSHA and the labor board don't usually come at you unless they have a ton of evidence. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is, it's, it's an interesting case. It will be, you know, I, and I feel like you and I through the years have talked about things where like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. And, you know, I feel like this is one of those as well. I hope it's a little bit of a wake up if somebody's listening to this and maybe they go, hmm. Maybe I need to double check that. Maybe I need to take that a little more seriously than I did. And maybe I need to provide, an, again, an environment where my employees feel safe. And when they leave, that we can leave on good terms rather than it being, yeah, I'm so thankful to be out of that joint. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, if you don't have any of those established systems in there because you're new, right out of school, or you just haven't been around to it, gotten around to it, you need to have a policy manual an HR policy manual. You need to have OSHA training. I believe that's yearly. You need to have HIPAA training. That's yearly. And for the front office group, uh, you need to have PCI compliance training and care credit training to make sure that you're okay with that. I think care credit, you have to attest and PCI, which protects credit card information. That's yearly, I believe. There's so much. Oh, yeah. 
I remember when I was a manager years, I mean, when I was first starting and, and we didn't have a handbook, a policy manual because whatever we didn't, whatever. Then when I was like, oh, we now have four employees. We, we need to have a policy manual. And I just can't believe I, I wunged it, winged it. Is wunged it a, wunged it is not a word. I don't even want to make it a word. I'm going to have to throw up the Wakanda forever symbol on you on that one. No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, not having it. Okay. So yeah. So I winged it for a long time. (laughs) My goodness. I know this is what happens with the morning coffee. (laughs) Second cup. Oh goodness. All right. So what was the fine again, Kevin? How much was it? Uh, $9,500. So, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, you and I have heard of a lot more fines that are way higher than that. I almost looked at this as a warning shot, shall we say, uh, you know, not only for that practice, but other ones in the area, just to know that, uh, you know, in the words of Monster Inc., we're always watching. <laughs> but I, I think that there are times that our, our agencies, you know, it's kind of like the, the cop who gives you the warning, you know, don't do it next time. It almost felt like that to me, and and maybe maybe I'm looking at that wrong. Well, and part of that too is they probably are um, being told to get things up to speed, and they're going to come back and inspect. So there's always oh, the that. inspection. And and one thing that I have learned working with legal people is that if they find that your office is not in compliance, they tend to come back a lot to check on you. Sure. And the reason is is that it's a it's a slam dunk for them that you're not going to be in compliance sure. again. And then the other reason on the other side of that for insurance audits, here's something interesting. When you pass an insurance audit really well and you've got all your ducks in a row and it's one of the easiest audits that they can do, guess who's going to come back to your office time and time again because it's an easy audit. Isn't that funny? That is. Yeah, I learned that uh, when when talking to pediatric offices and huh. like we get audited all the time. And one out in Colorado was like, "Yeah, she brings donuts when she comes in." <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know that world. That's, that's the whole. That's a world. strange world. Well, they're the special donuts, you know. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, so but not eat donuts from <laughs> from the auditor. It would have like truth serum in it and all sorts of stuff. I'm not doing it. You said that there was two types of employers, right? The ones who don't know that they're doing right. badly and then... They're, and, and the ones who just turn their back and say, eh, and shrug their shoulders. And Let's transition into a, a special type of employer. Oh, yes. I don't think he fits these two. I think <laughs> he's in a big glass case all by himself, this one. So I've been dying to talk about this. And so, I, you know, I, I texted you. I was like, I'm talking about this guy. It's the hoverboard doc. Have you heard of him, this hoverboard dentist? I have heard of him, yes. Um, yes, it's uh, it's quite the tail coming out of Alaska. There's no question. Well, I'm surprised he wasn't wearing a tail because the guy just did all sorts of different things. So that's that's something to be said. Let me just go over some of the, the hoverboard dentist information. So first of all, there, I'll link, of course, I'll give you some news links in the show notes. You've seen the video, have you not? I have. This dentist, if you haven't seen it, we'll link it and you should really watch it. This dentist actually was filmed riding around on a hoverboard in his office while during and then after he extracted a tooth. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I imagine that I'm going to need a steady surface and a strong stance in order to pull a tooth just for leverage. I don't think a hoverboard's going to do that for me. I don't know. What do you think? It's been interesting because in the days since then, I've looked up all the different ways that people like me and you can pull teeth, you know, and I've seen the doors, the bottle rockets, you know, all these different things. But again, we're not licensed dental professionals. Let's be honest (laughs) about this. Uh, So I kind of go, that's a little different equation. It is funny, though, because my dad was a big 
proponent of the doorknob. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I remember saying that to somebody in college and they were like, that's child abuse. I was like, dude, no, that's just how it was done. But, you know, different strokes for different folks. So back to hoverboard dentist. So member of his team filmed him hovering around. And, and that's just something else, too, because it just shows how far gone he's been. And I, I, I'm going to back that up by even reading his statement where he says he's far gone, too. So he was found guilty of just all sorts of stuff. Um, let me let me see here. Found Lockhart guilty of Medicare or Medicaid fraud of, you know, basically over over billing, taking teeth out when they weren't needed, unneeded work. And then let me see here. I actually read the case. The case was amazing to read. I'm actually still going through it. Here's another thing, too. There's just so much. It's like this is like the case that's never ending. Here's what really caught me. First of all, he has to pay back money in fraud and embezzlement because of defrauding the Medicaid system. And he was charged and convicted of removing teeth without needing to do that. And basically just some crazy billing stuff, but also just reckless endangerment, unlawful dental acts. They got him for, which is really interesting, organ harvesting, because your teeth and your tissue are considered organs. So they got him for organ harvesting, which you think, oh my God, he was taking out kidneys and stuff. No, I mean, you, you take out a tooth that doesn't need to be taken out. That's, that's part of it. He also was overcharging for IV sedation, which is, I can get into that in a little bit. And then here's what I think our managers really need to sit up and say, wait a second, what, what do you mean that I can be part of this? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. He had a manager who was also charged. Her name was Shauna Cranford, and she was uh, charged with all of this. And, and there's a plea agreement in place, and she's got sentencing coming up. So basically, they both conspired to defraud the Medicaid system. Part of the original case, and I will make sure to link it. Part of the original case is all of the text messages that went back and forth between them planning to defraud. And it actually says things like, can we bill this extra under a different tax ID number? And she's coming up with all these schemes and ways that that they can do wow. that. And she also was, you know, talking him through the billing. This is This is how easy it is for them to get you on Medicaid fraud. Medicaid has a portal that you use. When you're on that portal, you are assumed to have read the terms and agreements and you know about the, the rules that, are, that take place in there because you have a ton of rules. You have to bill properly. You have to agree to this, 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 and this. She and he logged on multiple times, almost daily in some cases. What that means then is they can't claim they didn't know that they were doing it because they logged onto the site that then has the rules, right? So that they were using that. They had a ton of records and, and just backed up. Then let's go with your theme of other employees saying something. They had employees, former employees and current employees that they, that they interviewed, and they all reported that there was crazy billing going on. So let's talk about the manager for a second. So what, what she was doing, and it was proven, so I, I, can, I don't even have to say allegedly, she's agreed to the plea agreement. What she was doing was saying to patients, you should have this done, but you don't necessarily need to have regular sedation. You should have IV sedation because under Medicaid, IV sedation is paid more. Under Medicaid in Alaska, because every state is different, there is, a, I think, 1150 max on what they get paid out, but that's for regular services. Emergency services actually have no cap. 
if a patient says something like they're in distress or they're apprehensive, then you can do the sedation and it's completely not subject to the max. This is also a really good way to get on somebody's radar. They would do that. And then there was a point in time where the, the rules changed for Medicaid, where they, they considered larger fillings under regular and it was subject to the cap. So then you have a whole string of text messages going through how they're going to change things up because of that. So it is really like one of the most egregious Medicaid fraud cases that I'm, I have the pleasure of going through because my goodness, it's just like the gift that keeps on giving. What do you think of when you hear things like this? It kind of goes back to what we were talking about with the Massachusetts dentist that, you know, there's people who know they're doing something wrong and there's people who don't know they're doing something wrong, but they're brought along by another person in the practice. And that makes me go back to the Oklahoma oral surgeon that had his dental assistant starting the IV sedation while he was still coming into the practice. But eventually they were brought in as people who were doing the wrong thing as part of this whole case. Obviously, this office manager, it sounds like she knew exactly what she was doing. This was premeditated, everything else. But I think that you've got to, A, read those terms and conditions always. Uh, And I am one of those people that if Apple sends me something, I actually look through it. (laughs) But B, I think that you've got to know what you're doing in the practice and, and the legality of it. And if somebody tells you, oh, it's okay, don't worry about it double check that it's really okay and you don't have to worry about it. First of all, I think Apple is dismayed to find out that you actually read all the terms and conditions. I'm that weirdo. I I am. But, uh, you know, I will tell you, if you ever get a chance, and completely off subject here, but there's a Netflix documentary, I believe it is, called Terms and Conditions May Apply. And if you ever want to read something that will open your eyes or watch something, highly recommend that. Because all those little things that we just go, yes, I accept, wow. It's, it's pretty fascinating, especially with technology. Did they talk about that one guy who put in the terms and conditions that you would, they would pay you money if you read all the way through in this yes. woman? Okay. Yeah. That was really interesting. Yeah. So, okay. That's a good tip. So we'll put that in the show notes too. Terms and conditions. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting that you say, we brought up the assistant that was doing root canals. So part of what this one was doing, he was, she's an office manager. Remember, she was also accused of taking out a tooth under no supervisions. And there was something said in the the paperwork about hand over hand technique, which is, you know, if you're training somebody or if you want to just kind of, you know, let them have the experience of it, you put your hand, that's still not acceptable. No, Like you cannot do hand over hand root canals, hand over hand implants. Like I say this, there have been times and I was an assistant that a gauze extraction, meaning you just could really take that tooth out with gauze. Like you don't even need to break out and, you know, don't even need to, to use another sterilization bag. In times like that, I've seen it. I've been assisting that. I've never done it, but I've seen how easy it can happen. So maybe in a gauze extraction, maybe if it was your family member or something, but come on now. Yeah. Ugh. There's a lot with this case. There is. And, and I'm just going to say a, a little caveat here that I, I've been to Alaska and worked with a few dental practices up there. And it's a, it's a little bit different mindset and I'm not excusing anything. Don't get me wrong, but it's a little bit different mindset whenever it comes to the oral health in that area. So I'm very curious also to see how much education was done of these patients or if they just completely were like, sure, whatever, and put their trust in the doc, you know, and that can happen anywhere. It doesn't have to be in Alaska, but that's one thing that I really noticed is that people in that area maybe didn't have the best oral health knowledge or IQ 
And mm -hmm. so it really was whatever you say, doc, I'm with you. Is that an area where they aren't really interested in fixing everything? It's like an ad hoc kind of fixing. Like you just, this is in pain. Let's handle this. Is that? Yeah. And it's also, and, and again, uh, for all of our listeners in Alaska, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm generalizing here, but, but I can tell you it's what I've seen whenever I've been up there is that there, there are parts of the Midwest, uh, you know, and I'm an Oklahoma guy originally, but there are parts of the Midwest that it's still just common practice to pull all your teeth at a certain age so that you're going to get dentures, you know, and yeah. it's just the mindset. And, and I think that that's what I saw whenever I was up there is that there's a mindset that it's not about fixing it. It's about pulling it mm. or, you know, getting rid of the problem rather than trying to fix it. And so, uh, you know, that's one of the first things that whenever I first saw this story blow up, I think that was back in January. Yeah. That's one of the first things that my mind was went to was that. It's interesting you say that because there's, you know, there's the small, there's the cities in Alaska and then there's what they call bush dentists. And I didn't yeah. know that. And in the text messages, basically they were talking about, should we let these people know about, should we do, you know, let the bush dentists know about what we're doing as far as um, the IV sedation. And what was happening was they were actually working with companies to provide travel vouchers for patients to come into their office, I guess, from the bush or, you know, other locations, they stated in there that when they took away the travel vouchers, their uh, revenue dropped. And so they were then planning on how to best bring back these travel vouchers. And I don't know if the travel vouchers are paid for by Medicaid. I know Medicare has some allowance yeah. for travel. Wow. It's, it's really just a bad, bad situation all around. So to talk about your trust in dentists, one of the witnesses, first of all, one employee when they were interviewed stated that there was a witness who needed a crown and had indicated that he didn't want to do IV sedation, but ended up doing IV sedation. So they contacted the patient and the patient said, yeah, he was willing to, you know, have the crown done. And, but she talked him into, and it, this is the thing. She did most of the, the treatment plan presentations. So she was the one who was convincing them to get the IV sedation. Yep. So they worked together. It was definitely a concerted effort. So they interviewed him and he said, yes, that's exactly what happened. So they had an eyewitness to that. Then the government agency that was working with them actually went in as a patient. So there's a, there's a, wow. I forget the term, but you can apply for this type of warrant. I think it's glass warrant is the type of warrant that it is. And, and you can go in and pretend and lie and all this kind of stuff to obtain the information. What happened is, is this agent came in and posed as a patient and he made sure to not say anything about being apprehensive or being nervous because that's how they were able to bill is by the patient saying, I need extra help and, and all that kind of stuff. The agent was very careful to not mention any of these terms. Turns out the notes reflected that he was apprehensive and she tried to talk him into doing, I mean, they did this to themselves. I mean, yeah. it was so blatant and obvious and the terms narcissistic were used in the court language and just so much going on. So so here's the the real thing. They were got away with it for a little bit. And then they continued to get away with it. And one thing that I will say is I found that they were the practices were owned by other dentists and he was working as an associate for a while and then he bought the practice. What it seems like happened and this is for any associate dentist situation that, cause I've definitely seen this in my consulting career, the associate starts to get resentful of not making enough money or the cut. I mean, if you're contracted for 30%, make your peace with that. Don't get angry because you signed that. But they, you could see that they were in the text messages trying to get away with giving more money to the, the company. 
so they were, I mean, they, they really truly conspired. And, but what's really good is that the text messages showed that they were doing this without their knowledge, the owner's knowledge, because, oh my gosh, how crazy would that have been if the whole, if the other owners, you know, got involved in it. So much going on here. Oh, and so they had a whole bunch of ex-employees who were also testifying that um, they were leaving patients under sedation for longer than they needed to because they needed to build that 15 minute increment. Jeez. Yeah. And oh, this it gets even better. I'm telling you, this is like the gift. This is like the Russian nesting dolls. You open it up and there's another one, right? Like another <laughs> thing. So, the other part of that too is that they wanted to stretch out the appointments. Mm -hmm. So they would do multiple cases of IV sedation and they would leave people under sedation unwatched. One of the comments that they made was that, you know, someone could have died or something like that. You darn near killed some people is what the judge actually said. He said, you darn near killed some people. Wow. It was just crazy. Yeah. It's, it's really good reading. It's really, really good reading if you're interested in that kind of thing. And you definitely need to take a look at your notes and all of that. Because one thing that they pointed out was that the documentation had been changed in their favor and just didn't match up. Oh, and he was also backdating. I mean, it's just everything that could go wrong. This is a textbook. I mean, this is honestly a textbook. Like Susan Gunn should write this textbook. So in your opinion, was this just cavalier? We're just going to fly in the face of the law? Or did they truly not get they were breaking the law? Oh, so I'm sorry. I didn't finish my thought on that. What it is, is that they got away with it for a little bit. That what they do is they rationalize. Anybody who embezzles rationalizes why they're embezzling. Then they start to see there's no consequences. So I think what happened was they were cavalier about it, or not cavalier. They were trying to see what they could get away with. Then they became arrogant about it. So I do, I mean, I, I think they started off, and this is my opinion, I think they started off knowing what they were doing was incorrect, because how can you not? I mean, how can you not? Especially because she's worked in offices before. Yeah, there you go. And, and that's another thing too, Kevin. How many dentists rely on their office manager to tell them whether this is legal or not? Oh, sure. Of course. Absolutely. Maybe he started out not knowing, but you know, when you have $250,000 worth of payment sent to your house, you've got to think, oh, this is great. You know, like we need to keep this up. But at some point, you've got to think that there's a little internal whistle that goes off going, how long can we get, really get away with this? And, and I know I've watched so many crime documentaries where they thought, well, there's no way I'm going to get caught. You know, oh, whether it's a murder yeah. embezzlement or whatever. And I'm like, well, you did look. And you know what you just said a minute ago about the office manager telling the dentist that it's okay. And the dentist not really knowing, you know, it's just such a vicious circle. Cause I see that obviously with the assistants mm -hmm. and the dentist telling them that it's okay so many times. And it's one of those things that, yeah, things may fly under the radar. Yes, you may not get caught for some things that your assistant is doing in the practice, or maybe you're doing in the practice. But I can tell you when it happens, man, it blows up. And I guarantee you, if it's if it doesn't become a, a huge international story like this does, I've seen so many cases where in your local media, it blows up. And these, these small town papers are more than happy to hop on it. Oh, well, and actually the best coverage was from the, the Alaska papers, but you know what? I, I just am cracking up. Lawyers crack me up and I'm friends with lots of lawyers, so I'm not knocking them, but they really do have some funny ways of putting things. They basically, his, his, I'm trying to find the exact quote, but his defense attorney, oh wait, yeah, here it is. Let me read it. 
His defense attorney says, well, first of all, he pointed out the good behavior and he actually had the dentist had a slew of people writing in in his support, which is just crazy. Okay, he's lost a business. This court is well aware there are civil suits because that that hasn't even come through yet. It's true. There's been negative publicity and the likely loss of his license, which again is pending, but the state's position is to revoke it permanently. So yeah, of course he's, I mean, the license, I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. Let me just do a quick summary here. He was found, you know, he's only 35. Dude looks like he's really young. I was surprised he was, I, actually, I thought he was like 28, 27, something like that. He'll look 50 real quick. I have a <laughs> okay. So he was found guilty on 46 counts in a Medicaid fraud scheme. Former office manager, Shauna Cranford, accused of pushing patients to undergo intravenous sedation needlessly in order to bill Medicaid. Lookhart was assigned, I'm sorry, uh, let me see. Oh, he's to serve 20 years with eight suspended. So that leaves 12 years of active time. And they're looking for about $2 million in restitution. So Cranford has not been scheduled yet. That's supposed to be actually this coming week. And so we'll, you know, I'll definitely be talking about that either on my podcast or on this one. And who knows what she's going to come up with, but she's also been found guilty of about 42, 43 charges too. And what really cracks me up in a bad way is that it evolved the 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 defraud the defrauding scheme evolved it went from just having sedation extended sedation to why don't we give a whole quadrant of fillings that way we can bill the sedation and have them come back for multiple appointments because they would make money on the sedation not the fillings so they're basically giving away free dental work in order to bill these big bucks for sedation interesting I just, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, it's just so beyond bad. <laughs> yeah, your nesting doll analogy a few minutes ago. I mean, it's exactly what it is. It's like every every nesting doll is a little bit uglier uh, the deeper you get into it. I haven't even, you know, I skimmed the case that we could talk about, but I haven't even gotten into the meat of the the text messages. I'm going to send these to you because it's like reading. I don't know if you ever watch like soap operas. When I was in, in college, I watched soap operas all, all the time. And it was like watching a bad soap opera, just all this verbiage. And you're like, can it get any worse? And oh my God, it got worse. And oh my God, he's going to kill me. The dramatic music, you know, uh, every oh, once in a while. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we should, we should do a dramatic reading. Oh my gosh. No, that would be fantastic. Cause uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> That's tremendous. We should do a dramatic reading. Okay, so we're, you know what, we're going to do that on my podcast. We're going to have you do a, a dramatic reading. You're going to say things like, let's medicate it up, because Here. that's part of the text. Let me practice. Let's medicate it up. <laughs> you crazy. Get off your hoverboard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See, this is what happens when we get yeah, together. Let's stay professional. <laughs> so the moral of the two stories, Kev, seems to be don't be... Don't be bad. Don't be a bad person. I mean, you know, and in this day and age, I'm like, shouldn't that be a rule? You know, as, with as crappy as 2020 has been, can't we just live by that one rule? Apparently not. Do your part, you know, oh, get up dude. in the morning, try not to kill anyone and then go back to sleep. Put your head down with a clear conscience. Like, why well, was that hard? Well, you know, there's days I have to admit, it's like, I, I don't know that I can do that today, but you know. <laughs> My goodness. My goodness, I've been chewing on this for about a day reading this story. I hope that this has been something for everybody else to chew on. I'll be curious to hear some comments on this one, honestly. I think that we're, we're always asking for the, the listeners to kind of chime in with some things. And I think this could be one, you know, what, what are you all thinking about this? Do you shake your head? Do you go, oh my God, that, 
that actually could happen here. You know, I mean, I'm really curious. I'm not kidding. We need to do a dramatic reading because then you can get the real meat of what it is. I'm telling you, whenever trade shows get back and we could all be in person, we absolutely need to have this as a course. Just me and you sitting up there on stage. I need to talk to Susan Gunn about this, who's our go-to for fraud and embezzlement. She investigates cases like this. And like, I need to know what she thinks about this because it is crazy. Like if you and I are sitting in chairs and we're reading this and like all of a sudden we like stop, like we're frozen. Then Susan rises up and goes, and here's why this was wrong. You know, I mean, I I think that'd be a fascinating, you know, three hours. How could you You know the funniest part of your imitation is that it is not how she would say it. (laughs) She would rise up and say, now look at this. Look at this. See, this is what you don't do. And right. I, that's she would. You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> we love you, Susan. So we'll put a link to Susan Gunn because she has a podcast too. That's actually really like, it's nothing but, but information. Yeah. Like, there's none of this banter that we have. All right. Probably a better podcast, but all right. So just different. That's it. K dog. We have, we have gone over two very exhaustingly crazy cases so it's going to be hard to top this one i think and t love we went all the way from massachusetts to alaska on this one so i mean we've crossed the country i'm telling you Whew. tom brady to the kodiak bear there we go <laughs> oh, look at you that's impressive. i know right like i have watched plenty of national geographics because i have a dad that makes me watch national geographics with him so <laughs> <laughs> all right dear listeners we want to thank you for spending your time with us and if you got through all of this crazy banter we hope that you'll return for more crazy banter on the next couple episodes. K-Dog, anything you want to say to sign off? No, looking forward to the next one because I have a feeling there will be more news stories pop up that we're going to be able to chew on, shall I say. (laughs) All right. And again, thank you so much for spending your time with us. Later. And that's a wrap for this episode of Chew on This. We hope you laughed and learned a little. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned, and don't forget to give us a rating on your podcast app. Feel free to drop us a comment on social media or by email if you have any suggestions for future topics. We'll be back in about two weeks. See you then.